Sunday evening here on the Chair Shop Podcast. Back on our usual night with once again a jam-packed schedule of wrestling and games and movies. There's everything else you'd want to chat about. We're going to chat about it uh, here on this week's show. I'm one of your hosts, Barry Murphy, joined as always by my ever-dependable co-hosts. First of all, Mr. Joe Towner. Hello there. And also... Mr. Paul Griffin. Barry, Joe, I come to you today for the last time as a 29-year-old boy. Oh, oh the big three. Oh, the big 30. Wow. Okay, I got to come clean. I'm already 31, but it is my birthday this week. <laughs> um, and I will be 30... Which, as we all know, is the best bit for video game consoles to be, like the old Super Nintendo. Um, Rio Two. I'm going to be 32 this week, lads. It's pretty old, isn't it? That's yeah, Um, over the hill. That's older than I'd ever want to be, but you know. Yeah, it um, it's definitely the first year. Possibly, it's it's happened before, but you know, the memory starts to go with the old age. Um, where my parents were asking me, like, what do you want for your birthday? Nothing, really. Very <laughs> whatever. Everything I want to have. Anything else would just be excess clutter, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so we're going to be celebrating the birthday with my first trip to the cinema in, in 2020, actually. What are you going to say? We're going to see Tenet. Oh. Tenet. It's a hard word to say, Tenet. I want to say Tenet. Yeah. I want to say Tenet every time. Uh, I had someone say it to me uh, yesterday as Tenet. Tenet. As in, if you're playing tennis and you go, all over Tenet. Yeah. Don't hit Tenet or I get the point. (laughs) Popular British actor David Tenet. So we're going to go see that on Wednesday. Um, possibly do a little cheeky McDonald's. Um, and maybe, since it's the first trip to the cinema of the year, I might do a little uh, first trip to pennies of the year as well, because I am starting to run low on the old underpants and socks. Um, right. When you say so as I low, said, how, how many pairs would you be down to before you... Um, well it reminds me of a conversation i had um about when me and natty are going to get our house i said well we'll just need to buy one plate and one set of cutlery between us and i'll use it and then i'll lick it clean and then you can use it (laughs) that's kind of where we are um no i don't know um i let's just say i had to dig in the drawer for a, a matching pair of socks today okay why didn't you just go? Why didn't you just go uh, foot commando? Ooh. Oh, nothing worse than going foot commando. Who do you think I am, yeah, Ryan Smart? That, that is a disgusting thing to do. It really is. Yeah, because cool. oh. the soles of your feet like stick to the inside of the runners. It's not nice. Mm. No, 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 no. Now underwear commando. That's fine. That I can do. Of um, course. No, that, listen, that's great. Yeah. I don't know if that's great. <laughs> um, 
it's more palatable than not having any socks on. Um, mm. But no, I don't. I don't think I've ever actually gone the full commando downstairs. But I, I'm down to like my last one or two pairs without having without putting the full wash uh, wash on. So um, I might need to restock. Also, since I haven't been to a shop to buy underwear and socks in about a year, the ones that I have are starting to not be even even washed or not to be you know in the best condition. So um, we'll do a little restock. I'll get ten pairs of socks and five pairs of boxers or something, and that'll do me until twenty twenty two. Speaking of you know shopping for things to put on your body, I did a bit of that this week. Uh, um, I'm um, uh, I'm dog sitting this week for my mum, so I'm actually not in the old uh, apartment uh, at the moment. I am in the family home with the dog. Um, and so, you know, not seeing the missus every day. Um, we decided to, you know, go on a little shopping trip on Saturday to, to you know, spend some time together. And I got uh, I, I, I got some, I got two lovely jackets. I got a nice kind of, uh, a kind of blue kind of bomber jacket thing that's kind of for day-to-day use and a nice kind of black going out jacket, which is very nice. Um, and they, I was long overdue a new jacket, so that was good. But the other agenda for the weekend, right, was I, ha- I I desperately need new shoes. And I I put shoe shopping off for as long as humanly possible because because um, I, it's just a gigantic pain in the hole because I have I have big ridiculous sideshow bob feet. <laughs> and and actually I think it's actually not it's because whereas his are kind of like long, I think my thing is they're, they're wide. And so like there's lots of going into a shop and picking up a shoe, and I kind of, it sounds ridiculous, so I don't say it, but I kind of want to say to them, um, can uh, can you look, what is the biggest size you have this in, please? But instead I just say, um, you know, 12 or 13 if you have it. And, like, just kind of a, out of a social awkwardness, if they go, um, as one person did on Saturday, uh, if they go, oh, um, we only have 11 and a half, is that good enough? I know the answer is no, but out of politeness, I'll still say yes and try it on anyway. <laughs> and I'll, I'll get, like, three toes <coughs> and I'll go, no, that's not going to do, I'm afraid. Um, so, so yeah, I, I might go foot commando completely for the rest of my life. No shoes or socks. <laughs> um, I did in, in a beloved chain store, sure. I did get a, a nice dress shoe uh, uh, for going out, which is nice. But I still need I still need a new pair of trainers. I need a new pair of day to day shoes. But my big fucking they're so awkward. Like it, it's just it's just I think most people have a bit of variance between you know you know this brand's definition of this size is different to this other brand's, and this style of shoes the idea of this size is is different from that other style, and it's just a fucking nightmare. Um, uh, trying to get those shoes. So that was my um, that was my 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 feet clothing uh, related segue there, uh, and that was about the peak of my life golf as well, along with the uh, along with the aforementioned dog sitting. Well, on that on that theme, I um also did a bit of clothes shopping this week. Um, I I tend to have the opposite problem to Barry. Um, not small feet, but small legs. Um, mm. so I, I need a I need a twenty eight inch leg, which you cannot get. Thirty is the every shop has decided that a thirty inch leg is yeah. the lowest they will go. 
Um, they have no interest in serving anyone with a leg, maybe slightly shorter than that. So, however, I went to um, the Levi's store in my local mall, and they do do um, free alterations on all on all jeans. So I picked up a lovely uh, two pairs of Levi's uh, 502s, which are tapered from from the knee down, so they're not too sort of you know not too like boot cut. You know, it's not the it's not the two thousands anymore. So I want a bit more of a vintage jean. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they fit very nicely, and they did the free alteration, so they fit absolutely uh, perfectly. So um, I was very pleased with that. I've got two two lovely pairs of jeans that I can uh, wear around the house, which I never leave anymore. So. No. <laughs> yeah, that was that's about it for the week. We're very clothes uh, centric this week, are we? Yeah, well, we're usually not. You know, it's nice for a change, yeah. isn't it? We're usually nude when we record. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To be honest, uh, lovely knob there, Barry. Thanks oh. very much. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying that. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not just the feet that are huge, I see. Oh, um, dearie me. I don't, I don't even really know Barry that well to say that. Um, uh, I finished work on Friday for two weeks now, I'm off. Oh, baby. I think it's the first time I've had two weeks off consecutively in about three years. So I'm enjoying. Uh, tomorrow will, my, will be the first day of my holidays, and I'm going to Lie in in the morning, not care a jot about my poor workmates who are going to get absolutely annihilated these two weeks. Well, that's their uh, problem, you know. Yeah, yeah, well, look, they've had plenty of holidays since I've last been off, so fuck them. It's my turn. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I do anticipate it's going to be very, very busy. But not for me. I'm going to be lying on my hole, doing not a thing, probably watching a bit of Twin Peaks and playing a bit of Ghost of Tsushima. And now else. Which is why, of course, as I said, um, we're going to go to the cinema on Wednesday. Because I'm still... I know you guys have been, but I'm still a little bit dubious about going to the cinema during yeah. the old pandemic gimmick. So what we're doing is we're going to the earliest showing on Wednesday... Uh, 10.55 in the morning. <laughs> oh, wow. Going to pretty much assume we're going to be the only two people in the cinema. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that'd be grand. I can take the old mask off then, loosen the old shirt buttons, might end up naked in the cinema, you never know. Oh, to, uh, kick off the shoes, off with the socks as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, no need, because I haven't been wearing any socks. Go and sock commando. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um... Yeah, so we're going to ten fifty five showing on a Wednesday when the kids we the kids are back at school already. Um people are working from home. People aren't gonna be in uh going to the cinema at that time. So hopefully we're gonna be more or less alone. So that was that was kind of my criteria for going to the cinema at all. Um might even risk a big popcorn big coke. We'll see how it goes. I think you should. If you're gonna go back, I think you should. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, two weeks of holidays. I I'm really not planning to do much aside from that's that's pretty much going to be the only trip uh, <laughs> outside of the house in the two weeks. Well, um, what else can you do? You know, yeah, go for a, like I still go for the odd walk just around, but not really. Like every all the people in the in the week building up to the holidays, uh, like what are, people going to be? I've been asking me, what are you going to do? Are, are you going to go somewhere? Like, no, I'm not to leaving the house for two weeks. That's <laughs> Yeah, I'll just not be working. That's the only difference. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's basically been our lives. That's been our lives. On the subject there of... Um, you mentioned uh, going to the, the, the cinema. I actually would like to, to jump straight into the movie golf this week. I think we've got some interesting stuff um, uh, to chat about. Um, you, Paul, are going to round off the the trio here. You're going to see tennis. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be the third one to see it. In in time for, for next week's uh, show. I So I've seen it. I've seen tennis now. I went to the cinema to see it. Uh, and I have to say, I was pretty excited for it, um, having just rewatched Inception, and you know, I just like Nolan stuff in general. But I like most of the actors involved, and I, I, I went strictly down the middle. I thought it was a, uh, a, a fine film uh, with a lot of really spectacular action and spectacular visuals, and um, a lot of that that big picture Nolan goodness. You know, um, uh, with the with the kind of you know really thinking outside the box and how things are laid out, and uh, some some really genuinely truly unique kind of action set pieces, like like genuinely unique action set pieces that I don't think people would even attempt to replicate um, uh, without him. But um, I, I would kind of put it sort of near the bottom of the, of, of my Nolan rankings if I were to do them up. Um, I didn't care a whole bunch for the characters at all, um, and I think that is kind of the the secret ingredient of most of his movies. I think, like obviously, he's done, you know, he's known so much for spectacle and loud noises and, and high concept things, and and just you know the the you know Inception and, and Interstellar in particular, just kind of going really out there. But I think those movies and you know the Batman movies as well, they have a core of very strong characters behind them. Um, not that you would like call the characters in, in say Inception the greatest characters of that year of film or anything like that, but they're really good. They're, they they are a solid heart of the film. And Tennis, basically everything on the character front was a miss for me um, on Tennis. And I also wasn't especially blown away by the performances either, which is pretty disappointing. Um, so a worthwhile trip to the cinema. Um, you know, another a, a certainly a very fun Nolan movie, but um, not something I'd be racing to rewatch or, or, or see again. I wouldn't say. Um, so yeah, I'm interested to see what you make of it, Paul. I actually don't know what you're going to make of it at all, Paul. I'm very curious about that. I'm unpredictable like that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> But that being said, I've I've liked every Christopher Nolan movie that he's made. So yeah, he's very consistent. I don't think yeah. he's. Well, I'd say all of his movies are between a kind of th- three and three quarter stars to four and three quarter star kind of range. Like there's nothing really out outside of that. Is there? It's, it's all good. Um, yeah. yeah, I would put Tenet probably the bottom half of the yeah. movies he's made. I would say. Uh, this was also, um, I, I, I first kind of heard this complaint about Interstellar where it didn't bother me that much. Th- this was the first film where I was like, okay, I, I cannot hear what's being said in a very significant uh, amount of scenes mm-hmm. um, in the film. It's really hard to hear what's being said. And, and you know, I 
<laughs> not to talk about my huge brain here, but mm-hmm. I never really thought of Inception as this incredibly difficult to follow movie or or, mm-hmm. or, 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 or two kind of out there. I always thought that that talking point was quite overrated. This movie I thought was, was quite tough to follow. It's, it's um, uh, there's just a lot going on, a lot going on. And, and it was actually quite frustrating in those scenes. And they were good scenes as well. Like, you know, they got that pump. He's got the great music. The music is great. And it really gets the blood pumping during the, 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 the action scenes. But I could not hear what people were saying during them. And it made the already difficult um, plot kind of tough to follow. But uh, beyond that, I, 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 I enjoyed it. So, so yeah, we would have uh, Paul round off our trio of, of tennis takes. Um next week uh i saw some other stuff here just kind of quickly i'll run through them uh, i rewatched black panther um following the uh the, the passing of chadwick boseman uh, really great really really enjoyed it um i i think i liked it a bit more the first time i saw it but it's it's still really great i remember the, the cgi isn't is great in it which i was kind of surprised to see um but uh they're in you know the rest of it's kind of hell it's very very interesting i think it is something that i think they you know um, uh, they, they conceptually they have, they have a lot more interesting ideas going on in that movie than basically almost any of the other uh, Marvel movies. So uh, that's a solid watch. And, and you know, Bozeman obviously was a, was a very significant loss, very talented guy. Um, for the first time in ages, I rewatched Collateral, which is like one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Uh, girlfriend, girlfriend hadn't seen it before; she loved it. Uh, it's great, still great. Talked about it a lot on this podcast before. Still cracking. Um, I I always forget like the the uh, escalation of that movie. It starts at such a a, a slow kind of uh, slow burn pace, and then there's like a a big occurrence, and then it just escalates. And, and the it not only gets faster and faster, but the rate at which it accelerates just goes and goes and goes. Like mm-hmm. it's really really great. Um, so I enjoyed that as I always do. Was that Tom Cruise's last good movie outside of Mission Impossible? Um, I was going to say Mission Impossible, but yeah, if you leave that out, um, it was also the um, Edge of Tom- not Edge of Tomorrow, was it Edge of Tomorrow? Yeah, Edge of, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen that, but lots of people like that one. Um, it's great. It's great. So, um, um, yeah, I can't think of anything else, but I, I, he kind of just does the the Mission Impossible these days. I mean, I feel like that's just yeah. thing. well. There's one that I haven't seen, which is the he was in Jack Reacher. Oh, Which doesn't sound great, right? Oh, no, it's bad. Well, it was—I haven't seen it, but it was—it was written, directed by the same guy who did the last two Mission Impossible's. So, mm. I don't know. That's mm. Christopher McQuarrie. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, that, I mean, I say, I say, he wrote the last two Mission Impossible's. He says, "Tom Cruise, what mad stunts do you want to do this time?" And then we'll, fi- <laughs> and, we'll figure it out and as we start city. making. And then we'll we'll sort that out. Yeah. <laughs> the um, rewatching Collateral though kind of made me want to like. I was like, oh, I should just go through Michael Mann's filmography um, from the beginning. I've like I've only really seen Collateral and Heat. Those are the only two that I've I, 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 you know, seen. Um, but I would I would love to go back and and, and watch his other stuff. Um, another. Um, I was going to say another favorite of mine, but I don't. I haven't really seen this film since I was a child. I loved it as a child, but you know, you watch things that you liked as a kid, and they don't hold up. All that other stuff. I watched The Mask, um, 
which is on Netflix uh, here in Ireland and also in the UK. The uh, I was going to say, I suppose it wasn't his breakout, but it was the same year as Dumb and Dumber and Ace Ventura. So this, this was the year Jim Carrey uh, blew up. Um, I loved uh, this, um, uh, having watched it for the first time in, in my adult life. Um, it's kind of, it's funny because we were just talking about it last week. It, it's sort of like Deadpool, but way funnier. Um, uh, and like, like less obnoxious. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm not going, oh, shut the fuck off every other scene. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> But um, but the, but but I do also you know, I would kind of lump them together in in a sense because the mask is like a comic book movie from the era when that was a genre as opposed to just a type of action movie. Do you know what I mean? A comic book movie had a certain look and feel and tone to it that this movie definitely has a certain type of cheese. Uh, a certain type of of, of comedy, um, and it's really really fantastic. And what I what I like about this is obviously it's it's really famous for you know the scenes where Jim Carrey puts on the mask, and they have all this uh, really kind of fairly groundbreaking for its era, like three D animation spliced in with the live action stuff. Um, but what I like about the movie is that it does have a sort of cartoony logic to it even when you, the mask isn't involved in the scene. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's it's the there's an opening shot. There's like a matte painting in the first two minutes of the of the film where it's like um uh, a picture of the boardwalk because obviously the the, in, the intro of the film is that some deep sea divers find the mask um, just off the coast of Edge City, which is the the city from the comics, and so they have this opening shot, and it's obviously like a composite shot of wherever they film Los Angeles, I think, and then some like really kind of elaborate kind of comic booky background with like big neon signs, maybe even a little Schumacher esque Batman Schumacher esque, like it's got little stuff like that. The the the, the dog character in this, which again is is. The dog in this movie just obeys cartoon rules, even when it doesn't have the mask on. Like it's a, it's a completely kind of out there um, uh, uh, worlds before things even get really crazy. Um, and I just, I just really, really love it. Jim Carrey is fantastic in it. It's like it's just the right level of him being him. Um, there's a, there's a lot of charm to it. You got Cameron Diaz in there as well, who's who's great. And the the CGI like. It, ha- it has not, I wouldn't say it's held up super well, but it also doesn't look terribly aged either. It's actually surprisingly good. Um, I really, 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 really loved it. I-, I recommend people check out The Mask. If you haven't watched it in a very long time, I think it's very interesting to watch 2020 Eyes. Um, and I-, I think it has great like, costume design. It looks great. It sounds great. I think it's just a really, really fun movie to watch. So that's on Netflix. If anyone hasn't seen that in a while, um, I would recommend it. Um, and that's it. Those are my movies for the week. Stuff. Um, I got, I got a couple of new ones and a couple of oldies. Um, so the oldies we watched uh, Muriel's Wedding, which was is an Australian film from mid nineties. Um, was kind of Tony Collette's um, breakout film. Uh, she plays this kind of very odd outcast character, mm. Muriel, whose dreams of getting married. Very, very. Um, very kind of interesting, funny film, and, and it was a, one that brought ABBA back to 
and the kind of popularity that then surged into Mamma Mia and kind of other 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 things. Um, so that's a really good film. If you've never seen that, it's definitely worth checking out. Very Australian. Um, lots of people that sound like Alf from Home and Away. So always always fun. <laughs> um, we also watched on Disney Plus uh, Cool Runnings. Um, obviously, brilliant film. John Candy, Jamaican bobsled team. Um, could it, could it get any better? Not really. Um, probably the to me still the the pinnacle of the kind of underdog sports movie. I don't think anything's ever bettered it uh, before or, or after. Um, then two new movies I watched. Um, it's a beautiful day in the neighbourhood, which is a Tom Hanks film where he plays the children's TV host uh, Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Um, and it's about this journalist played by, I can't remember his name, Welsh bloke. Um, but he's, he writes for Esquire and he has to do a profile on Mr. Rogers and he doesn't take it very seriously because he thinks, oh, I'm a proper journalist. I'm not going to do a profile of this guy for him. Um, but he finds him to be a very kind of interesting character and it becomes more about you know his life rather than Mr. Rogers. Um, not being that familiar with Mr. Rogers and his, and his um, mm-hmm. neighbourhood. It doesn't, you know, probably hit as hard as if you you're an American who kind of grew up watching that. Um, obviously, I know a little bit about it, but not not that much. Um, Tom Hanks is is good in it, but the Mister Rogers and I mean he's a real he's not a character he's a real guy Fred Rogers. He's a very calm, patient, kind of loving man, and so he never at any point kind of gets angry or loses his temper or you know really changes his mood. So it. It's, Hanks is really in kind of one gear for the whole movie, and it's also a very kind of gentle sort of Tom Hanks type performance. So it's not, it doesn't really get to stretch his legs much, I'd say. So it, it's an interesting performance. Um, mm. I'd say it's kind of a far, fairly slow moving, but you know, enjoyable movie. I wouldn't ever want to watch it again, to be honest. Um, yeah, but it, it was fine. It was it was nice. That's as kind of as much as I could say about it, really. Um, yeah, so that was that was good. That brings me kind of up to date in terms of uh, Hank's giving, which is the oh yes, yeah, you're right, yeah, you're on going with long-standing mission. Now six years old that that mission to um to watch all of Tom Hank's movies. Um, I've now seen them all. I haven't seen Greyhound, which was not released cinematically, so technically uh, it does not get added to my list. I may watch it. I may not. We'll see. And um, yeah, other than that, up, up to date. Um, the other movie I watched was called Z for Zachariah. And this is a kind of post-apocalyptic movie starring Margot Robbie and Chiwetel Ejiofor. Um, a very kind of small movie. You don't really see any of the apocalypse. It's just uh, all set in a very kind of remote um, sort of homestead where Margot Robbie lives and one day kind of finds um, Chiwetel Ejiofor when she's sort of out and about, you know, gathering bits and pieces. Um, very kind of small movie. It's just about them, their how their relationship kind of unfolds, being in this scenario, being this in this kind of isolation. Um, so there's not not too much movie, too much to the movie in terms of kind of any kind of big plot points or um, action or anything. But yeah, quite an interesting sort of um, study about you know two characters kind of thrown into a situation and, and forced to be together. So if you've not seen that, Z for, the, Z for Zachariah, a nice nice little post apocalypse. Uh, movie. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like um, a film that I talked about two weeks ago. It comes at night. Hmm. Sounds sounds similar plot wise to that. Also, reminds me of a film that no a load of people haven't seen called 
is it monsters or monster? Yeah, is that Gary Edwards? Yes. Yeah, it's it's like that, but probably with even less monsters. I.e., no monsters. <laughs> well, monsters ironically has almost no monsters. Yeah. So if you um, if you're disappointed by the amount of monsters in monsters, Dune Twitch Zebra Zechariah. <laughs> No, but I, I really enjoyed those two movies. So yeah. Z for Zachariah sounds like something I might enjoy. Yeah, you might, you probably would. It's it's not a kind of genre movie. Like there's no, it's not horror. It's not kind of thriller or anything. It's it's more of just a drama. But yeah, it's um, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. Good performances. That's it. Yeah, I like I like that cast. Let's just just Google it here. Jesus, box office of one hundred twenty one thousand quid. That probably wouldn't pay for Margot Robbie on her own. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it sounds good. I might check that out. Um, uh, what about you, Paul? I understand you saw some new releases this week. New movies. Movie 2020 with Paul. Film, no, what yeah, was, I, I, was the Janice Lamont <laughs> thing? Film 2020? Yeah, film 2020. Well, not 2020. Whatever year he was doing it. I saw one new movie only, Barry, and then I watched an old one. Um, an old one that's going to lead me into watching a new movie. Oh, um, I got my I got my titles mixed up. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I I watched Mulan first of all, the new one off Disney Plus. Um, I didn't pay for it. Oh, um, but I know someone who paid for it. Oh, therefore oh, wow. we we went over to oh, a friend's okay. house. So it's like. To, to, to explain how this was paid for, it was my friend's girlfriend's sister, I think, who paid for it. And through okay. that domino effect, I came to watch it. Yeah, I, um, I was going to ask, were you a, a, a jabroni mark who works yourself into a shoot and doesn't know it's a work mark yeah. uh, who paid for What is it? It's, it's 20, 20 on top of one Disney Euro 99. Yeah, And it's also, it's not... It's not you have to be Disney Plus, and then you buy it, and then you own it. You buy it, and then you have access to it on Disney Plus. Is is that my understanding? Is it literally their advertising? Is I, I think I said like last week. It's like early access. It, I think it's called premium access, where it's like right. You you just get it before it gets added to the usual Disney Plus. Right. Offering, you know. So um, I think like, it's pay, pay and get it now, or wait three months and get it for free. Yeah, it's, I think it's only like a couple of weeks or maybe a day, two months or something like that. Like, it's not, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, this it's, it's really depressing uh, uh, look at the, the, the theaterless future we might be facing down. Because I don't mind paying a few bob extra for, for to watch a movie that's, that's new release, that's skipping the cinema. But the idea of paying early to access it on a subscription service is like really shitty to me. Yeah. I think they need to find the right price point as well. Mm. For me, I, I know you could, like, we had five people watching Mulan, right? But I'm not always going to have five people watching. Sometimes I, I will rent a movie just for myself to watch. Like, I um, got Rashomon a year ago or so on iTunes. Um, and that was, like, five euro to own or something. Like, that's... Some like okay, I don't new releases you don't necessarily expect to be that cheap, but like Tenet, if I couldn't get to the cinema and they said, you know, Tenet will stick out on VOD, go to tenet.com or whatever, and it's it's 15 euro, mm-hmm. and you know, mm. not even to own, just 15 euro to 
rent for a month. I'll I'll I'll, I'll pay that. You know, um, I won't pay for every movie that comes out necessarily, but no, no, that that would be something for okay. If I'm in a, a circumstance where I, I want to watch this movie, I'll pay for it, and that's fine. Um, funny enough, the the cinema we're going to to see Tenet isn't my usual one where I have the um, loyalty card, so I you know can go for free, which I'm going to have to cancel because I'm probably not going to get to go to that cinema for quite a while, and I'm not paying twenty euro a month for nothing. Um, but the the cinema we're going to, uh, the tickets were nice and cheap. Um, okay. Five five ninety nine. Okay. For each ticket, which very good. <laughs> I was very happy with that price, to be honest. Um, because you know, pre COVID, your cinema ticket prices for a two D new release would be like thirteen, fourteen euro each. So you're looking at like less than half price. Um. Anyway, Mulan. So we watched the new Mulan movie. I will not compare it to the cartoon because it's a, a moot point, but I'll just say that I really enjoy the cartoon. Okay? Yes, um, lots of people do, yeah. Yeah. The new Mulan is a weird case where it's kind of objectively good in so many places, right? Like, it looks great. I think the performances are, are a little hit and miss, but are mostly pretty good. Um, the action is very good, well shot. There's like very funny bits in it. I, I laughed at quite a few bits in it. But there's something that it doesn't just gel together and I just didn't really connect to it. Okay. Um, like, I, I, it's difficult for me to put my finger on what exactly the problem with it was. Um, some of the characters don't have the clearest motivations, especially mm. one of the, the lead villains. Their, their character arc feels severely undercooked uh, and things kind of happen without necessarily having built built to them in a organic way. Um, they make a weird de- decision with the Mulan character as well where she kind of starts the movie as a all-powerful already like child who can do like Jackie Chan-esque runs up buildings and flips off you know stair rails and stuff like I like the story of Mulan being kind of an, an every not an every man although she does pretend to be a man for bits of the movie but yeah. like she gets Mulan ultimately gets to where she is through you know hard work and perseverance it's kind of what you know Okay, the cartoon. Let's let's compare it to the cartoon for a second. That that's kind of one of the overarching themes of the cartoon version is that you know everything is against her, um, and yet she still kind of succeeds despite all the adversary. Uh, here she starts off, as I said, like like uh, overpowered already. So when in the end she you know, um, saves a day, you're like, well, yeah, because she's a fucking superhero. <laughs> she was a superhero as a kid. Right. So surprised that she's... A- and kind of what the- what they do with that is, like, because she's a girl, she has to, like, suppress her power. And then you... But then later, you still have the scenes where they're, like, training to become good soldiers. And you're like, well, I know that she, she is good, because I've already seen that. So why is this scene happening and not making any sense to me? 
Um, for for big bits, like I said, it is funny, but I, I do think one of the one of the main issues is that it just has a, like a lack of personality. It's it's not necessarily bland, but it's it's quite forgettable. And um, I like I said, I just didn't really connect to it at all. It's also it's not that long. It's, I think I think it's actually under two hours, but it's one of those movies that feels long. Um, and I also didn't find the uh, the ending that satisfying. Okay. Um, when you finally get the big confrontation with the the big villain, it just kind of what what Mulad wins. Um, Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I I think I I, I didn't like hate or anything. I think I went like a four on it. It's slightly worse than in the middle, you know? Okay. Um, definitely, I wouldn't pay twenty one ninety nine for it. No. no. Um, I would say if you're curious, just wait for it to be added to the Disney Plus um, roster and then check it out from there. But it's um, while it's a very good looking movie, um, it's kind of soulless. I would say though, I enjoyed it more than the the absolutely horrible uh, Lion King. I enjoyed it more than Beauty and the Beast, the remake. Yeah. Um, I would say it's not as good as the Jungle Book. Jungle remake, Book seems to be the one everyone likes. Yeah. Or the Aladdin remake. I think they're both better. Oh uh, yeah, I thought the Aladdin one was alright. Uh, yeah, it seems like the standard generally has been pretty pretty bad for these these uh, remakes. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm not seeing Dumbo or Dumbo um, was, was boring. It kind of, it kind of, it kind of <laughs> sounds like like what you're saying with with Mulan. It seems like they just made a really boring version of the movie. Um, um, it's not even they, boring. I just think it was it was just undercooked. Well, yeah, I, I think that's a fair way to look at it, and it's kind of like. Like it, it's sort of visually impressive in some really basic technical ways, but it doesn't have a, um, it doesn't have a sense of style that I really like. So yeah, I've I've yeah. I have Disney Plus. I have not watched most of them. I've watched Aladdin and Dumbo. I think that's it. Um, I liked Aladdin. I thought it was alright. Um, Aladdin's good. Jungle Book is good. Lion King is rubbish. Um, what's the other one? Beauty and the Beast is rubbish. Hmm. I haven't watched the direct to Disney Plus uh, Lady and the Tramp remake, but I can't imagine that's no, it. no. I'm not um, rushing to watch that one. I think the next one they're doing is Little Mermaid. Oh, that that sounds horrible. I mean, that just the, the prospect of that sounds terrible. Little Mermaid is a weird film to be doing in 2020 as well because plot wise, it's about this girl who gives up her life because she sees a bloke on a beach one time and she's like hypnotized by this man and she almost like is psychologically enslaved by this man it's like a weird movie i don't know how they're gonna really get around right in that one um but that's definitely a movie as well that if you take the songs out of the little mermaid you're not left with a whole lot to work with to be honest yeah um, Whereas Mulan does do that thing where some of the dialogue is lines from the songs from the cartoon version. Okay. Um, which came off a little bit, a little bit pandering, but um, sure, luck we let them off. Yeah, 
my my no my uh, my noise review of Mulan would just be eh. Yeah. Okay. Um, I then watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which I'd never seen before. Oh. Uh, my only point of reference for Bill and Ted was the like '90s or yeah '90s cartoon they made. Yeah, I saw the movie, but it was only after I saw the cartoon. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I saw the I saw the movie as a kid, and I can't remember much about it. It strikes me as a as a Joe movie. Joe, do you like Bill and Ted? I fucking love Bill and Ted. Yeah, I it's 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 it seems like the type of thing that would be your your wheelhouse. Yeah, it, it was kind of post Back to the Future sort of time travelly. Thing. Yeah, but it's um, it does time travel very different to Back to the Future, which is good. So it doesn't feel like it's yeah. stepping on any toes. Um, Bill and Ted, first of all, absolutely a film carried by the charisma of the two leads, mm. who are who are so likable. Way um, triumphant, which is I, lo- I love that they're like they're like cowabunga surfer guys. But they don't say your typical like, <laughs> dude. They they say weird words. Like, yeah. Ch- super triumphant man. They they have their own weird slang, but they're so likable. Um, those two. Keanu Reeves is great in it as well. Um, I didn't expect um to see George Carlin show up in it. That was a nice little mm. casting there. Um, as their kind of guide. Um. What I would say is, I think it's a, a bit too frenetic in the first half. Like, I wish that they didn't go to quite so many times and spent a little bit more time in the ones they go to. Because mm-hmm. um, that's where you, you would have some, like, funny fish-out-of-water stuff. Like, they go to um, medieval times, which is, I think is where they spend, like, the most time. But they go to uh, the Napoleonic War... They go to um, they got like Abe Lincoln, Mozart, but they don't actually spend a lot of time in those characters' worlds. Um, uh, Sigmund Freud as well, for some reason. I don't know why they're learning about Sigmund Freud in history class. That's that to me is more of a psychology class deal. But anyway, yeah. look. Also, I don't know why their assignment is to stand in the front of like this auditorium and. Uh, what, what age would you say Bill and Ted are in the film? Like 16? Yeah. 16, 17, yeah. yeah. Why is their history, their final history assignment of the year is what do you think historical figures would think of our town today? That's like something a 10 year old would have to do. <laughs> I think Thomas Edison would like this town very much because we have lots of light bulbs. <laughs> that, yeah. Um, okay, I understand though that this is a film that. The thought has not been put into those things as much as the tone and the funness of the movie. Yeah. Um, and it's very fun. I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Especially the second half where the the historical figures are brought into the modern world. And that you have a lot of funny stuff from that. Um, mm. Like I say, the first half was a little too choppy for me. And the film's very short. Like The film, excluding the credits, is like... 80 minutes. So I think you could have had like an extra 10 minutes in there just to have some funny moments that you can, you know, refer back to later or whatever. Um, But probably they didn't have a big budget or anything. So it is is what it is. Um, With what they had, they made a damn fun movie. Uh, I'm very excited to watch 
Bogus Journey, which will be my next one, mm-hmm. and then watch face, the new Face the Music, which is the the 2020 version. It's apparently very good. Have you seen Bogus Journey before? No, no, I never have. I've never seen any of them. Cool. Well, I liked it. I saw that one more because I think I was old enough to see that one at the cinema. Right. And that was the one I saw first, and then I saw Excellent Adventure, probably on Channel 4 or something um, a bit later. Um, yeah, I like, I like both of them. Yeah, I've been told that Bogus Journey is a bit matter it's completely bonkers it, it, it's like no, yeah. no time traveling it <laughs> it's just completely completely something different yeah it's, it's fun it's fun um i liked as well ted's dad whatever that actor was called the guy who's like you're going to military school i thought he was very funny in it so and uh bill's dad who's going out with the girl who's like yeah. almost two years older than bill yeah. oh very, very funny yeah no it's just really really effortlessly fun and big, big thumbs up for me. Better than Mulan, for sure. Okay. There we go. That's uh, all our movies. That is all our movies for this week. We'll jump into, I guess, the game. Goof, who's played a video game this week? Uh, I'll quickly go through mine. Um, play more Fall Guys, of course. Um, mm, of course, yeah. I've actually been playing it with my brother. Uh, so it, 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 I played it a lot on my own at the beginning. Not on my own because obviously it's a sixty-person battle royale game. I get what you mean. But, um, I had basically just been playing it as a, almost as a single-player game, right? But it does give a new dimension where you're playing with someone else in the, the group, um, especially if you're on the same team and you can communicate with them. Um, it, it makes for a, an even more fun experience. Um, he's my brother's playing a lot more than me. Uh, I'm I'm level eleven now, in it, which is not not a lot. Um, he's level twenty two, I think. So he's literally t- played it twice as much as me. Um, still a very a very fun game. I I like all the new um, events they have in it, um, especially the final round one, which is like the honeycomb patterns you have to run around. Yeah. I like those a lot. Um, aside from Fall Guys, I've been playing... Uh, I finished Paper Mario Thousand Year Door just today uh, on GameCube. Really like that. What I will say, though, is it has a relentant... Uh, is that a word? Relentant? Relentless. Relentant. An unrepentant and relentless. That's the two words that mixed it into one. Like a spoonerism gimmick. Whoa. Um, amount of like backtracking in it, which I don't like. Also, um, that final boss was very difficult. I was playing it this morning, um, 45 minutes on the final boss alone, right? And then I died. I had to do it again. And I spent 30 minutes the second time because I knew kind of better how to beat it. Um, so yeah, about an hour and a half beating only the final boss today on that game. Very, very tough. Um, well, yeah, it's like a 2004 game, so it has that thing where second time round, there's like an unskippable, unskippable cutscene in the uh, the middle of the boss bow. So I'm just, oh, oh, here we go, hammer the A button until it go finishes. Like, um, but that game very, very fun. Um, like I said, a very accessible, real time, uh, turn based, not real time, turn based um, RPG. Really, really fun with Mario characters. 
Uh, I'm now playing Super Paper Mario on the Wii, the third Paper Mario game, which is the one that changes completely the formula. It's like, um, it's no longer a turn-based RPG. It's like a puzzle platformer. Yeah. Uh, but it has a really different uh, visual style, which I do like. Uh, still very fun to play. I do prefer the old RPG Paper Mario games, but... Um, Look, they're that's, they're not that really anymore. They're, they're more um, action adventure games. But uh, Super Paper Mario also is about half as long as Thousand Year Door. Thousand Year Door took me twenty four hours to complete. So, like a Last of Us two length game, whereas um, Super Paper Mario is like Last of Us one, where it's like eleven hours. Um, so I'm hoping to have that finished by my birthday, so I can start Ghost of Tsushima, which I'm getting. And very much looking forward. Uh, that's what I've been playing. I'm also getting Pro Evo 2021 on the 14th. I think comes out for my my annual football itch that I need to scratch. Please scratch that figure itch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been playing some stuff this week. So I mentioned earlier that I'm dog sitting, so I'm not at home. And I was not going to drag my PlayStation 4 up to the new place. So I, I'm i still going home home to work because I'm still working from home. So during my work day when I'm on my breaks, I have access to the PS4. So I have been squeezing in as much as I can uh, a few goes on the Tony Hawk 1 and 2 remake, I guess it is, a remake more than a remaster. Um so I've been toying around with that, and I mentioned a few weeks ago playing the demo and how I was pleasantly surprised with it. I was happy with it. Uh, yeah, this 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 feels like a, a great remake of two classic games, and realistically, it kind of feels like a great new... It effectively feels like a new game in the Tony Hawk franchise, really. Um, so I've played the first couple of um, parks in Tony Hawk 1. The way they do it is if you want to do a... Uh, a one-off session or a free skate around uh, any of the maps in the two games. You can do that at your leisure. But they've also recreated the campaign, for lack of a better term, of both games. And they're in separate lists as well. So you, so I'm working my way through kind of one and then two. And I'm trying to get all the objectives, if I can at all. So I've unlocked the first couple of maps on Tony Hawk 1. And it just feels great. The game looks great. It looks like a 2020 game. It's, you know, it's a remake from the ground up. It's not any kind of spit shine on, on, on a 20-year-old game. Uh, and it feels great. It's arcadey, you know, quick, fast-paced, responsive skateboarding that runs well, feels good in the hand. You know, if you once you get the momentum going, you're really pulling these crazy combos. You're flying all over the place. Uh, the objectives are, are, are challenging and satisfying to get. Uh, it's great. I, I really, really like it. And they've 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 uh, put in some new uh, bells and whistles for, for 2020. Obviously, there's new music, which um, I didn't really recognize many of the songs when they posted the listing. But they, they're in keeping with the kind of rap, indie rock, ska feeling. Uh, of the uh, of the original game, so they mesh in with the with the songs from the original games pretty well. Um, yeah, it's it's a huge huge thumbs up. I have not played as much of it as I would like, but um, uh, I will uh, I will keep uh, plugging away at it uh, every spare minute I can during the workday. Um, and did you hear about the uh, unlockable character for uh, two? I think it is. No, what's that? 
Well, I don't, I don't know if you don't want to be spoiled on it, but um, there's My a God. very fun, very fun unlockable character. I think it's for Tony Hawk's too. Okay, you can tell me. I'm, I'm not worried about it being spoiled. Um, well, Jack Black is an unlockable character in it. Oh, nice. Uh, from Jablinski Games. Um, as a character called Officer Dick. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, that, yeah, so I suppose that was a character from the, from the original. Yeah, exactly. So, nice nice little uh, cameo in there. I wonder if they got Spider-Man, because he was in Tony Hawk 2 back in the day. don't know. Possibly. But uh, yeah, I made a I made a character in it. Um, it's not any kind of amazing character creator, but it's all right. And so they have one of the kind of you know more moderny video gamey things they have in it is that basically you have this like endless list of challenges that I don't think I don't think you could ever get to the bottom of. There's general ones that are like, hey, you you cleared your first level. Hey, you. Uh, you made a custom character and then there's things like you did a 100,000 point combo, you landed 10 reverts and I think it just constantly refreshes and every one of them you complete you get money and that money can be used to buy what looks like a very 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 long list of like uh, customizable bits and bobs for your created character so clothes, wheels for the every, every you know individual piece of the skateboard can be customized so, um, again, that's a kind of a more, you know, uh, modern video game thing. You have your the, the core checklist of objectives from the original games, but obviously there's only actually nine maps in each of the in each game. So I think you would run through the, the core objectives of Tony Hawk fairly quick. So they've put in these kind of like basically endless challenges. And also each of the, I think there's like 15 or 16 skaters in the game. It's actually quite a decent sized roster. They also have an individual set of challenges. So if you want to max out each skater and unlock every conceivable type of skateboard wheel that they could apply. Um, so they've, they've put tons and tons of stuff in there to, to increase replayability. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, really excited uh, with this, and I, I'm very, very happy with the uh, um, uh, what they've done. So beyond that, uh, obviously I brought my Switch with me for some portable gaming while I'm away from home. And I'm playing at the moment a very cute little indie game on the Switch, the Nintendo Switch, uh, called Coffee Talk, which is a, a game that came out uh, earlier this year. And uh, basically, it's sort of a it's sort of a narrative-driven game, but it's it's not like a uh, adventure game where you're picking dialogue choices. It's basically set in. Uh, uh, Seattle in 2020 and you are uh, the barista and owner of a cafe that only opens at night um, it's a, a nocturnal cafe and it's an alternate reality where uh, there are <laughs> there are elves and orcs and fantasy creatures living amongst the humans um, Paul, Paul you played Wolf Among Us did you? No Oh, you didn't? Okay. Well, it's, so it's if anyone listening has played that game or read the Fables graphic novel, it's sort of, it seems like the setup is sort of similar to that. It's like regular modern day Seattle, but fantasy creatures basically just living amongst humans, going about their day-to-day -day lives, working office jobs and going to, to coffee shops. Um, uh, and so basically you are the barista, you chat 
to uh, your customers. The intro of the game very much makes it seem like you're just hey you're getting your you're getting slice of life of the various customers. You're hearing their stories. It's 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 about the the things you just overhear as a barista. Um, you know, through the hustle and bustle of life. And then every now and then a character will ask you to make them a coffee. And there's an, there's an extensive list of ingredients. You can, that's the only kind of gamey part of it. It's like, uh, this person says, oh, I'm really stressed. Can you make me a a triple shot espresso to, to give me some energy? And so then you have to go and make it. But like, they have these ingredients. They have, they also have a. You can check your phone for like a list of ingredients. Like it's not it's not remotely really challenging, but that's just kind of the one gamey aspect of it. So it's very much kind of a chill out kind of just uh, soak up the ambiance, talk to the characters, um, and mess around with with coffee. One thing that I do like though is when you make someone a latte or any, or any version of a latte. There's a um, you can do latte art. You know when you go to a fancy coffee shop and they put a fucking uh, you know, a leaf on your your latte. Yeah, uh, you can you can do that in the game, and the interface kind of looks like Microsoft Paint. I was like, oh, okay, is this just literally draw whatever I want? But no, it's like you you're pouring milk in, and it has decently realistic milk physics, so it's dissipating, and you have to try. I've been, I'm shit at it. It's really really hard. I'm shit at the fake latte art. I can't imagine how difficult it would be in real life to do this so you're you're toying around with that and that's that's basically it it's 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 kind of just a cutesy kind of chill out uh kind of vibe game more than anything else but i like it i think it's i think it's i think it's uh, intriguing i played the first hour and a bit um there just before we did this show um so yeah if anyone's looking for a kind of a twee indie thing on the switch uh, that's like 12 quid on the eShop. so uh maybe give that a look if you're looking for something a bit different and that's all my games this week well, I haven't been playing any games, but I do have a question. Should I buy a Switch? I think I, I think I want to. Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, because I go on. Oh. I think it depends on why you would want to buy a Switch to play games on it. Well, do you have games? Do you have games in mind that you want to play on it? The Mario thing with all the Mario's on it. <laughs> I want to play that. One. The one that comes out in like two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to play 64. I need, want to play... Well, I don't really want to play Sunshine. That was a bit of shit. But um, I never played... Galaxy. Yeah, I never played Galaxy because I, I skipped the Wii generation. So, yeah. Um, well, Galaxy is as good as 64, I would say. Woo! But I would... I want to see before I commit to it, because I'm very interested in it as well. I love... Um, 64 is one of my favorite games. and hmm. Sunshine, I want to give a, a, a good go-to. Yeah, I also um, want to play. I, I I played Sunshine over the course of not I didn't finish it, but like I, I sunk a decent amount of hours into it at a friend's place over one weekend because he was the one soul I knew with the GameCube, and I remember just like hating it with a passion. Mm-hmm. But like if they if they put proper fucking camera controls in this one, I want to give it an honest go. Yeah, that's what I, I want to see some reviews first um, to see how those kind of things are handled. Um, because I would, if those games have like proper camera control, fair enough. I, I kind of don't expect a sixty four will, but Sunshine certainly should. Um, then that's going to be a big, a big plus for me. Also, Galaxy has like Wii controls where you're like pointing the remote at the screen. So I, I'm interested to see how they incorporate that into it as well. It looks like you're going to be encouraged to play it with the Joy Cons off and use it as like a pointer, but. 
um, yeah, those games are are excellent. Also, that would allow you to dip your toe into Mario Odyssey. Yes, yeah. that, that as well would interest me. Which is uh, even better than Galaxy. Bloody yeah, Odyssey is like a wonderful game. It's like it's so good. Okay, well, I think I need to get a Switch then. Um, also, you you would have access to the Super Nintendo and yeah. NES. Yeah, that's that's the back library and that's um, pretty cool. That's pretty cool. There's, there's a lot of really fun indie games on the Switch. I've seen Force. that Doom and Doom Eternal you can get on the Switch. Yeah. Really like yeah, like I think I think it would be handy for for you because obviously not not everything comes to the the Switch, but like a, a decent amount of things does that I think if you if you had your interest peaked every now and then, you're like, oh, I'll play that new Doom. You know, you'd have that option. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, and like as Paul said, basically, basically every notable indie game comes to the Switch either at launch. Most of them come at launch these days or shortly after. So if ever you hear us or anyone else prattle on about something, mm-hmm. you can probably get it on Switch. I mean, um, it's a it's a great. I mean, it's it's been such a success that not only is everything on there, the the the, the shop on the Switch is starting to look like a fucking iPhone storefront. I mean, the people are just putting absolute shite on there. Like the amount of <laughs> garbage that Nintendo allows on that thing is actually insane. Um, but that's that's a you know a good and a bad thing because it does mean a huge you know volume of things you might be might be interested in are on there. Yeah. Um, I think I think you would I think you would I think you get your money's worth. Um, you could also, if you don't really care about playing it on the telly, you could get that that Switch Lite, which is um, um, is that like a hundred quid cheaper? I think it is. Yeah, but it doesn't have the detachable Joy Cons, which might make something like Galaxy a little bit lesser, depending on how they. I think they've put out a statement on what how Galaxy is going to work, but I, I didn't read. It. I think they have clarified. Right. But I'm not. I'm not too sure. Well, regardless of what they clarify, I, I'm interested to see some reviews on, like, opinions on how it works. You know. Yeah. Same. Uh, the, it, it, the early indication do, does seem that they're not going to be doing a gang of work to it. This isn't going to be, um, the the crash remake. Do you know what I mean? It's not going to be. We've blown this wide open and remade. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, because it's it's. Three games in one as well, so it's going to be limited, you know? Yeah, and, and three very different games. But it kind of looks like, especially with 64, it kind of looks like they've just they've bumped the resolution, they've sanded down some of the rougher edges, and that's kind of it. I think, like you said, the real test to me is I want I want to hear from a reviewer that I, I put my hand on it and I moved the right stick and the camera moved the way you'd expect a modern camera to move. That's that's what all I want to hear, really. Um yeah. So, um, but yeah, just thinking there about what, like other stuff, like if Joe got a Switch, like uh, they've there was obviously Breath of the Wild, but they also put out that what was that Zelda game they put out last year, the like the cutesy one, the that's like old, yeah, Link's Zelda, Awakening, which was very well received. Um, I haven't played them, but I know I know people who fucking love that last Donkey Kong uh, Country game. Like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the people go people go mental for that. They really do. Um. Yeah. There's. A, yeah. There's. A, I. I would be. Yeah. I'd be interested if you wanted. Like, if you wanted to do some research and just find, you know, any old listicle saying here's the top fucking twenty five games on the Switch and see if you if you'd say to yourself, okay, I'll get my money's worth out of it. Um. Well, I remember when I was getting the Switch originally. I I waited until I uh, 
basically I, I made a list of like, okay, I need to have a list of five games before I can justify mm. like a list of five games I want to play before I can justify getting a Switch. So if you can have at least five games and fair enough, this one game is going to almost tick three boxes for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, then you can almost justify, look, I'm, I'm going to play these games. I'm going to get my money's worth. Yeah. Especially during uh, the stay at home your entire life situation that we're currently in. Yeah. Might as well play it. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think I'll get one next next month, next payday. Next. There you go. And like one one game you could get, you could get Mario Kart. And if you got the if you got the proper Switch with the detachable gimmicks, I mean you and you and Michelle could play that right away multiplayer. Yeah. You can play you can play Mario Kart with the two the two little Joy Cons. Yeah, um, what do you make of that new Mario Kart that's coming out, by the way? The AR one? Oh, it looks great! Little Mario Kart around your calf. Oh, brilliant. I, I hope it's as good in practice. Things like that, I always say, oh, okay, I want to see that. I want to see that for myself before I get too excited about it. <laughs> it's going to be like 100 euro or something, presumably. But Yeah. Oh, it's so wacky. It's crazy. Like they're, it. um, like they're Legos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, switch. Yes. Yes. Thumbs up. Thumbs, <laughs> thumbs up. There's some. There's some really like we mentioned indie games, but there's some really good little obscure games that you can get for like mm. two quid. You know. <laughs> so, in addition to the big the big releases, um, there's some really fun smaller releases that you're not going to break the bank on mm. that yeah. are still just as enjoyable. You know. I've just I've just fired mine up just out of curiosity. See, I so I have not played my switch. My switch, I, I go like I'm very happy with it, but I do go through patches of not playing it. So I've got Coffee Talk, Animal Crossing. You can get in on the Animal Crossing phase. Um, Mario and Rabbids, which I actually have not even started yet, but I downloaded it. Um, that game's untitled, great. Untitled Goose Game. You can get the Goose Game in time for the multiplayer. Ooh, ooh. Um, Ape Out. Did you play Ape Out, Paul? Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant game. Uh, Hotline Miami Collection. Obviously, I love those. Mario Maker. You can get in on Mario Maker. You can make your own fucking Mario levels for the rest of the time. Uh, Tetris 99 as well, which I loved. Yeah, there's yeah, the Switch is great. Um, so that's that's our, our, um, our that's our should Joe buy a Switch feature uh, next week. Should I buy a car? <laughs> <laughs> next week, a Wii U. Yes or no? We make the case. Uh, we will go into the television this week. I haven't watched a whole lot. I watched the first episode of High Score. Have we talked about this yet on the show? High Score? No, I don't think so. Um, it is a video game documentary series from Netflix, uh, uh narrated by Charles Martinet. It's a me. Uh, but he's actually just doing his regular non-Mario voice, and he's... Oh, he's uh, Sony PlayStation is a piece of shit! I would love if he did the whole the whole thing as, like, Waluigi. He's like, <laughs> E.T. Wah! Um, <laughs> I beat the Sega's ass! But uh, it's, it doesn't seem like uh, any anything... To, I only watched the first episode. Nothing truly mind blowing, but like really well made. And I always love a good documentary that like goes out of its way to get all the good archival footage. You know, uh, have you know, uh, lot, lots of good interviews, lots of talking heads. So even though 
it's not like it's kind of talking about the rise of pac-man and oh the video game boss it's not it's you know it's nothing mind-blowing but they've they've um they they put the effort in to make it fairly compelling like they've got <laughs> they were talking about how like space invaders and missile command are all these like violent games and they predominantly appeal to men and then they were like part of the motivation for making pac-man was they wanted to appeal to women and then they've got all these like newsreel footage from the 80s of like women losing their shit for pac-man just like i just think he's so cute i, just, I don't know anything about games but look at him go like he's just this little he, look at him he's just adorable i'm like this is great this is a, this is this is what was the the, the talk of the town in the 1980s <laughs> women loving Pac-Man. Um, so yeah, it's really solid. I, I, I'm going to watch the rest of it. Um, I've, I've, I've heard kind of mixed things about it, but I think it seems like an easy enough watch. Um, and the other thing I've been watching is season two of The Boys on Amazon Prime, which is the, uh, the big return following like one of my favorite shows of last year, the adaption of the Gareth Ennis comic. And uh, really good stuff. Um, uh, it's it's got the same kind of tone and it's got the same kind of really out there um, um, uh, stuff that the first season had. A bit slow. Uh, it hasn't really kicked into gear yet, um, but the first two episodes were, were really enjoyable. Um, uh, Amazon are doing the thing where they dropped three episodes, so I have one more to watch, and then they're doing weekly releases, which I actually like. I think that's it's nice to have uh, something resembling the traditional TV schedule structure to kind of look forward to each week so yeah uh so far so good on the boys um and that's all i've watched this week really i started watching that um tottenham hotspur all or nothing amazon prime documentary mm-hmm. um so i've seen a lot of negative feedback to it um that it's it's a bit boring that Mourinho comes off as a complete weirdo uh <laughs> Which he does, by the way. Um, but this is my first one that I've watched, so I I can't come from a place of comparison. You know, I I've not watched the Sunderland one, the Leeds one, the Man City one. Well, the Sunderland one is they're obviously not the same series. You know, all or nothing. They've done Tottenham now and Man City last year, and they they've done like American sports teams as well. But I think the the Sunderland till I die is a separate thing. Uh, there was a Leeds one as well that I don't know anything about really where that is. Yeah. I know that there is, there is one of those as well. Um, I really, really enjoyed um, the three episodes that are available at the moment. Uh, Mourinho is 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 a strange lad where he's constantly swearing and he's constantly saying man like, oh, man. like Cheech and Chong. <laughs> he, he'll be like um, there's one bit where he 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 thinks that um, Delhi Ali is a little bit lazy in training, so he'd go, "Hey Delhi, oh, you're so fucking lazy, man." <laughs> it's it, oh. it's so weird. I don't I don't know <laughs> why he talks like that. <laughs> he doesn't sound like that. Oh my god, I'm gonna have a heart attack. He, he, he does. He does. <coughs> um, Jesus Christ! Go on. Walker Peters, which is it? Waters or Walker Peters? Peters? It's too and long, then, man. It's too long. Yeah, it's too long, man. <laughs> Fucking love, man. <laughs> um, I think as as an inside look at a Premier League football team with like the team talks and the meetings with the players and all that, I I think it's really interesting. But like I say, I haven't watched any of the other ones, so possibly this is the like the worst one, and that's why people have been down on it. 
I don't know. From watching it as a first toe dip into these kind of documentaries, I thought it was really compelling. Um, especially knowing where the season goes, where Tottenham, towards the COVID shutdown, Tottenham just had completely fallen apart at that point. Um, uh, so I'm interested to see. Like, I think what's going to be, it's like um, three episodes are out on Amazon Prime currently. They're like 45 minutes each. There's going to be three more released tomorrow. And then I think three the three final ones will be like the week after or something. So there's a lot of content out there. I think um, I think it's really I've been enjoying it. I've seen all of them. I thought it was really- you have you what you, have you watched any of this one as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've watched um yeah, all of these episodes. I think Mourinho I mean he's one of the most like interesting characters in football the last, you know, twenty years. And getting to see him kind of behind the scenes, I mean, how can that yeah. not be interesting? It's like getting to see, you know, Brian Clough when he was at Nottingham Forest, you know, behind the scenes footage. It'd be amazing. Yeah. And yeah, he is, he is mental and he does say man a lot and he does pull <laughs> silly faces and go, you know, fuck. Oh, man, fuck. And <laughs> great. I love when he was first coming in that he had almost like a a Vince McMahon entrance video playing where it was like, oh yeah, all the Spurs players are sitting eating their breakfast or whatever, and you have this giant screen in the middle of the canteen yes. with him like he's won the Champions League with Porto, he's won championships with Chelsea. <laughs> it's Jose Mourinho, yeah. and then he has like a big poster in his in his office of him with Porto again or with Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. Very very strange. Although he doesn't seem to have like. A computer or anything. He's very. Every time he's having a meeting with people, he's like, he's, he's constantly scrawling on like a little notepad. Yeah, they haven't they haven't discovered computers. Yeah, I think. It's- yeah, they haven't taught him how to use a computer. Um, funny how they how quickly they like brush over the whole Pochettino. Um, yeah. Started season. Like I don't remember exactly when Pochettino got sacked, but it was it was what two months in. Yeah, it wasn't that quickly. I mean- yeah, like they go from Pochettino getting them to the Champions League final to Pochettino is sacked in five minutes. Like they spend more time on Mourinho's first day than they do on that entire stretch of time where Pochettino is still the boss. Yeah, I think Mourinho's the he's the money. You know, you don't waste time on the fucking jobber, but Pochettino, do you? Not <laughs> the main man. I like as well when he has um, Eric Dyer in the room, and they're t- they're speaking Portuguese to each other. Like, I knew that Eric Dyer was a Portuguese speaker, but yeah. I'd never actually seen it. And he's like, you know, your your old manager leaving. Yeah, maybe you're sad. It's normal, but I think for you is good. <laughs> Very next game takes him off after thirty <laughs> minutes in the first half. Ruthless. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Eric Dyer is all sad there. Presumably that leads to him running up into the stands to confront people later on in the season. Jose! So yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm excited for the three more episodes tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and then as I'm on my holidays for these two weeks, I'm going to um, get going again on Twin Peaks Season 2. Cute. Which I've kind of had on hold for a little bit because I, I watched Season 1 and then I wanted to be like, okay, let me not go immediately into season two. Let's leave it like a week or two just to let it settle. And then we'll jump back in. So I think probably starting tomorrow, uh, I'll start the first episode of season two. We'll start making our way through that. 
Um, yeah, I, I'm also very interested now to check out definitely this, the Sunderland Till I Die. Um, and I watched a little bit of the Leeds one. I didn't watch it um, where it was supposed to be watched. I watched a clip of it on YouTube, which was um, the Dan James transfer that didn't happen. Right. I don't know if you have you seen that clip, Joe? No, no, no. I haven't seen any of that. They have little Dan James there in his Leeds jersey. Um, doing like the publicity photos right. and everything for the announcement of the transfer, and they have like twelve hours to, to deadline and say, yeah, loads of time. This is gonna be fine. Ten hours, nine hours, and just the people from Swansea are just not getting back to them. And your man who's trying to—I don't know who he is, like the CEO or chairman of Leeds or whatever—but he's like, starts to go a bit, get a bit anxious, and it's like five hours, four hours, and then the, tra- the transfer uh, deadline just passes, and the transfer just never happened. And your man is like, not uh, the chairman or whoever he is, he's like crying out of frustration. He's like, it's not good for the kid. It's not good for us. It's not good for Swansea. And it's just like these politics behind the scenes of why this transfer never happened. Like, uh, maybe it's a 10 minute clip of whatever the documentary is. Again, very, very interesting. Though. Hmm. So there we go. I, um, I've watched a little bit of. Um classic Simpsons today so I started re-watching Ooh. it on Disney Plus um, partly because I haven't um, seen it in ages and partly because I don't want to keep getting humiliated on, on this podcast by Barry every week <laughs> and the quizzes and yeah I started, re- started re-watching it so we did the first uh, I think six episodes of, of season one um, it's such a weird show that first season like there's no there's not many jokes in it it's played so straight. It's it's a very very kind of strange, strange show. The early couple of seasons, and I think yeah. so. So far, we've had um, all of the family losing their Christmas money, and then Homer losing all his money on a greyhound race. Then we've had uh, Homer getting sacked, uh, becoming suicidal, becoming a social campaigner, and then selling out to Mister Burns. Then we've had Lisa being clinically depressed and seeking out jazz. We've had Bart being kind of bullied and, and beaten up every day. Um, we've had Homer being embarrassed by his family and taking them from electro shock treatment. Um, I'm amazed the show ever became popular. It's just it's weird and depressing and with no jokes in it. But somehow it's also really, really good. I don't know. It's strange. It's so different from the kind of classic Simpsons that, that we'll get. Yeah. I think Simpsons almost doesn't become classic Simpsons. Not that it doesn't like get funny very quickly, yeah. but I think one of the first episodes that I remember one of my last rewatches, it was the first episode where I thought, okay, we've started moving away from the simplicity of the early seasons mm. is um, Colonel Homer. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which I think is in season three. I don't remember which episode it is. Yes. I think that's the first um, Simpsons plot that kind of it's okay. Maybe it's I, I look, it's the twentieth episode, so maybe okay. Maybe there's a few before then, but I remember that being the first one where I was like, okay, this plot is is not um, you know based in reality necessarily. It's it's starting to the plot is starting to take a backseat to the humor. Yes, agreed. Yeah, I think it is season three. It starts to yeah transition. Okay, well, speaking of The Simpsons and oh. quizzes, we have a 20 question okay. of 
the Simpsons characters. Let me get up the Simpsons wiki, okay. which is my my basis for answering these questions. So if anything I say to you is not correct, that's who you can blame. Okie dokie, uh, I have it up. So whoever wants to go first can go. Off you, Barry. Okay. Uh, is this person male? It is a male person, yes. Okay. Um, are they a member of the Simpson family? No. Okay. Um, are they a school child? No. Not a school child. Okay. Um, are they a celebrity within the world of the within Springfield or the world of the Simpsons? No. Okay, not a celebrity. Are they a parent? No, they're not a parent. Okay. So not a parent. So it's going to be someone like a, a Mo. Or yeah, Barney. Mo or Barney. Um, is this person um, frequently seen at Moe's Tavern? No. Ooh, okay. okay. Uh, does this person work at the elementary school? No. Okay. Mm. Not a celebrity, not anyone involved in the school, not a regular at Moe's, not a parent, a male who is an adult of some variety. Um, could be Smithers or well Burns is parent actually. Um, could be Smithers. Um, not groundskeeper Willie. Um, mm. so I think could be comic book man, comic book guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, let's think. Um. Hmm. Do they work at the nuclear power plant? No. Okay. Ah, that was, yeah, that was going to be my next line of questioning. Um, God, where's left? Okay. Not Moles, not the school, not the power plant, not the family. Um... Who has kids? So it wouldn't be him. Mm. Um. Uh, is this person a doctor? They're not a doctor. Okay. Yeah. We've ruled out a lot. Um, yeah. I'm thinking comic comic book guys are good. Potential. Yeah. Yeah. Just trying to think who else. Not Flanders. Hmm. Um, Crusty's famous, Crusty. Yeah, Crusty, I was thinking as well, but he's famous. Uh, yeah, you can try and ask something for comic book guy. Okay? 
Crusty also has a kid. Yeah. Do they? Oh yeah. Does this person work in a store or got a retail outlet? Yes. Okay. Do you know, by the way, um, the Krusty has a kid episode? Do you know what season that is? If you were to guess, like twelve. Yeah, like eleven, twelve. Twelve. Yeah, it's that. It went that quick from Gold Simpsons to fucking Krusty has a kid. Yeah. That's ten questions, by the way. Okay, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, so, other than comic book guy, who would our options be here? Uh, that guy who's in, like, every store, but he doesn't even have a name, I don't think. Um, uh, can't be a who. What's a who's fucking um, cousin or brother? Oh, Sanjay. Sanjay. Uh, um, Could be Herman from the... Um... Herman, yes, very good. Um, Herman, um, one of the Nicks from Nick's Bowling, the two Nick's <laughs> Bowling alleys. Um, okay. Uh, I'm trying to think how do you narrow it down yeah. to exclude comic book guy? Is this person fat? <laughs> <laughs> They're not fat. Oh, They're not fat. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, Joe, could it possibly be... Well, what age did this person qualify as? Could it be the pimply teen? Ah, uh, the pimply teen. Let's see. It's a male. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Um, not a school child. Not a... Yeah. yeah. Uh, he had, like, red hair, didn't he? Or usually... Yeah. Yeah, red hair, squeaky voice team. And does does this character have kind of red orange hair? Nope. Oh, for oh. sake! That would also rule out Herman, I believe. Yeah. Who else fucking sells things? Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say Gil. He doesn't really do that. Yeah, it's not. Maybe had one or two retail. I oh, he might have done. I know, like yeah, maybe. Um, God, I feel like I feel like there's gonna be someone really obvious we're missing. I, just, I can't think of any other shops apart from. We've ruled out Moe's. Uh, uh, is there anything? Is there anything we've said that would disqualify Sanjay? Do we know if Sanjay has kids? Mm, don't know unless wait mm, didn't Apu have a niece at one point I have vague memories of that I might be making that oh maybe hmm uh is is this character white slash yellow (laughs) yes they are they are okay not Sanjay then um I think Sanjay has its uh, Son, don't they leave the baby in charge of the quickie mart one time oh, with a shotgun? Yeah. <laughs> Great bit. Um, uh, okay, so potentially old Gil. Um, ah, hmm. uh, God. Or it could be, um, no, I was going to say Lionel Hearts, but he's got ginger hair. Yeah. 
God, damn. God, who else is there? Shops in the Simpsons. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a fascinating question in and of itself. Yeah. Um, um, I'm trying to think, is there anyone else you see at Krusty Burger? I guess there's not. No. It's always the team. Um, there's like the music shop that's next to Moe's, but I don't think we yeah, ever... That'd be, impo that'd be impossible, because how, yeah, like... how, how could you know his name, you know? That's the only, like, three shops I can think of in the whole... So, so like, there is that guy who, who's like, who looks and sounds like Charles Bronson, but I don't know what his name is. Oh, it, what, in the pet store? Yeah. Uh, ooh, no can do, Pally. This guy writes mysteries. <laughs> it's it's definitely a character who has a, a name. A name, okay. Um, uh, is it? No, uh, well, I don't know what his ethnicity is. Is it the Cab Kalach guy? It might be Gil, but I I, I don't know how we can. Ask if he's like a salesman. Well, yeah, yeah, it could be. I mean, they they sort of also. So yeah, he did. No, he did do retail jobs actually. But my my, my main thinking with Gill is that like post Hartman, they recast Gill as a lawyer mainly. Right. But he did. But prior, but when when Lionel Hutz was still around, Gill was like. Um, uh, I, I sort of an every man who was doing a different job every time you saw him, basically. Well, Gil is based on Jack Lemmon's character in Glengarry Glen Ross, so he's like a yeah salesman, I guess. Um. Okay. Was I'm trying to think. What I remember, Gil selling computers. Is there anything that I remember? He also worked in in uh, realty. Ah, yes. Oh yeah, when Marge becomes a realtor. Um, okay, is this person worked as a, a real estate um, person? Realtor? No. no. Oh, why is he having a Fucking bollocks. Um, <laughs> um, I don't think I don't think he could possibly really be that. It could it be Don Brodka by chance? Do you reckon? Um. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, work, worked in retail. I think he meets all the other criteria. We don't know about kids. Yeah, yeah, it does. Depends if you'd call him fat, I suppose. Uh, well, see that. Yeah, I I realize that's kind of an ambiguous question, but like, yeah. like comic book guy is like fat. Like they, I think they make their <laughs> they make them fat, fat. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Could be Don Um Hmm. What other I don't give, I won't I won't give you a hint or anything, right? But this 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 character is not fat. Definitively, okay. It's a okay. skinny character. <laughs> uh. I think if nothing if you don't get it ultimately I think at least it being our second ever game, it, it'll kind of point in, in a, a different kind of 
way of asking questions. Like we've spent a lot of time here on what job does this man do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like it's but that's the thing about the Simpsons is like what what other kind of, you know I know, I know. It's I know. like you can't ask do they have a catchphrase? Basically everyone has a catchphrase, you know. <laughs> True. Yeah. I guess. Um Kugo uh, just do they work in security? Well, as I said, they're not fat. Remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, just remember they're not fat at all. <laughs> um, I'll say, I'll say, I got this on the twentieth, so you guys still have. Well, have time. Mm. Barry, what do, you, what do you think? I'm really stuck. I, I'm really... I'm trying to think, is there another like fucking location-based question we could do to try and narrow it down a bit? Because mm. um, they're not at the school, the power plant, Moe's. We know they work a retail job of some variety. Um, uh... And it is a man, yeah, who is not a celebrity, who does not have kids. Uh, um, who is white? Hmm. I mention Mrs. Lovejoy. I don't know if she's ever worked in retail. Or if she's a man. Oh, fucking <laughs> Oh, Jesus. I don't want to assume. Barking up the wrong, barking up the wrong tree. Um, oh. What was the one we did last week? Dred, not the week before. Dredrick Tatum. Yeah. Um, mm. Is that the hint? Is it the same answer this week? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the treasure chest. Um, I don't know, Professor Frank. Uh, uh, it's very hard to say. I don't think it's one of the skinny male characters. Yeah. Oh. oh. Um. Mm. I yeah, I'm really I, I'm stuck for even for a question because it's like it's like the things like you might ask about a Simpsons character. I'm like, do they have a distinctive look? It's like I don't want to ask it a vague question that doesn't really help us, you know what I mean? We could ask who does the voice, but then we kind of pick in a bit of a stab in the dark. Yeah, Hank Azaria does like fifty like I was watching Simpsons earlier and I realised Dan Castellaneta does so many voices, do you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm really stumped. This is the most stumped of being in twenty questions. Do they have blue hair? They do not have blue hair. Oh, fucking hell. 
God, we've run through all the colors. Like, what, they don't have red or blue. Like, those are the two colors these characters have. We've gone through all the hair colors, red and blue. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the other one is gray. They have black or gray hair, is what we're saying. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't a question. I know. I, 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 won't, I, won't I won't mark that down as a question. Yeah. So someone with okay. black hair works in re- who has worked in retail. Um... <sighs> Has Fat Tony ever worked in retail? He doesn't have black hair. Oh, yeah. There there, there are some questions that you did last week that I think would potentially help here. Also, I won't say anything more than that. (laughs) He's teasing. He's frustrated. He's teasing us. I want to help, but not give you the answer. Um... Um, <laughs> uh, does this person have a beard? Oh, oh wait, 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 wait. I, oh, um, is it the, the gay character from When Home <laughs> Because uh, he works yeah. in he works in the shop. He works in the shop selling the old tap. Yeah, John. Yeah, but he had. Um, hmm. I just want to think. So he had black hair, skinny, uh, no kids, yeah, not fat. Mm, could be. Uh, is this character gay? They are gay. Ah! Oh, wow, 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 we were. Uh-uh. Um. Yeah, okay, I think, I, I, think, I think that's our, truly that's our, our answer then. Okay, Wait, what's the, is that character's name John? I think, yeah, because it's John Waters. John Waters, yeah. I don't know the surname of the character, but, okay, is it John, the gay fella what works in that shop in that one episode? <laughs> That is the correct answer. Ah! I was really surprised you suddenly picked that out of nowhere. Um, notably, point. not voiced by Hank Azaria or Dan Castellaneta. Yeah. Um, a guest star who does the voice. That might, um, yeah, maybe that's a better question to keep in our back pockets going yes. forward. Um, when I played this game, I went, based on your guys' questions last week, I went early to the Hank Azaria voice and got a no. And Dan Castellana, no. Right. Harry Shearer, no. I was like, oh, it's a guest star. Is it, a, is it a, an actor? No. Is it a musician? No. <laughs> is it a politician? No. So John Waters, who's, you know, has acted, but is primarily a director. Um, so yeah, that that was the we went down the guest star route this this time, um, which is where you guys, in thinking about the actual Simpsons characters, let's say, as opposed to kind of the one-offs, mm-hmm. um, think that's where you kind of went down. We're, the, we're very the much like in the world of the Simpsons, not thinking about the actors and the the guest star. Yeah. We were very we we're a bit tunnel visioned. Next time we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. expand. Okay. Funnily enough, the question you got it on, you you asked if he had a beard. 
He doesn't. He's got a little possibly drawn on pencil moustache like John Waters. It's definitely drawn on. Yeah. Um, does he have a catchphrase? <laughs> Zap. He does. Um, so, and yeah, he works in Cockamamie's Collectibles Shop. That's where he works. Oh, so well done. I'm, I'm that. I don't know where you picked that out of, but that was a hell of a, a hell of a hail mary at the oh, end. Shops. I think that. Yeah. Very good. I'm impressed. Good I stuff. thought you guys weren't going to get there. Right. Well, we move on then to the professional wrestling guff. Yeah. I uh, don't really want to do a deep dive on Dynamite, but I thought it was very middling this week. I God, I don't even really remember Dynamite of last, last they, week. I remember the M, they had a really shitty Moxley match with the lawyer. Um, oh, and the Battle Royale that went on for 45 minutes. Not even, not even, even the Battle Royale, Royale. just the lads oh. having a scrap to set up the Battle Royale. But they were like they're doing the scrap with like throwing over the top rope. And it just went on. And then people were getting thrown out and coming back in. Oh, oh it just it was endless. Right. Um Yeah, the the lawyer match definitely didn't even live up to the low, low standards that it, it should have uh, as a creative thing. Like Moxley didn't even really like beat him up or mm. Like it, there was no reason for doing it. He he got like a, a finisher out out of nowhere, got the pin. Like what was the point of doing the match? Why, in the logic of Moxley, did he even bother adding that to the contract? Like what did he get out of it? He had he had a short match with a a, a lawyer. Like he didn't like draw it out or have any stipulation where like if. Uh, if there was an interference, or I, I just don't get why they even did it. It was, it was, it was dumb. I, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't get it really at all. Like, I, I thought he should have just killed him. If, if the, if the end goal was just to do the, um, uh, the beatdown with MJF, I mean, this, this, you could have gotten to that in a number of ways. Um, yeah, it was shy. It was like watching SmackDown. Yeah. Um, there was some other stuff on Dynamite that was all right, but nothing, nothing worth really talking about. Um, uh, will, do, will we jump straight into the pay per view? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I like. I thought this was like the worst pay per view they've done by a, by a country mile um, up to this point. I think it was insofar as their pay per views are usually very good, and also certain things happened that were let's say, difficult to anticipate. Mm. But also, there was just some some guff on it mm. that I just didn't enjoy. No. Uh, it started with a cinematic match, which is I mean, code for steaming pile of shit, baby. It's like... It wasn't even really cinematic, though. It was like the old... WWF backstage hardcore matches they used to do. Yeah. Well, like ultimately, it was just one camera following them around. It wasn't like edits or. But there was though because there was because like Big Swole was wandering around and she 
Oh, yeah, I know the bits you're talking about. She looked around and she went, she's not here, and then she walked off. And then spooky music played as as they panned into the office and lurking in the shadows like Batman was was Britt Baker, right? And then the next scene, Swole goes into an office and she opens a drawer and there's loads of Batman Arkham Asylum chattering Joker teeth. Falling out of the drawer. I was like, uh, that was that was the point where I was immediately out. I was immediately out. I was like, this is not, this is not the shit I like. I don't like this. I don't. This is what has permanently turned me off WWE. Like, this is not what I want in AEW. Um, and yeah, then after after that, that was the other thing though. But they they weirdly just they did it and then they just stopped doing it and then they had a hardcore match basically. Um, yeah. Uh, this was definitely the closest they've come to. Like the money in the bank match, basically. Yeah, that's that was that was the yeah. If you were to compare it to another cinematic match, it would be that, which is the worst one. Um, so uh, yeah, really didn't like this. Like the laughing gas finished. Like oh my Jesus, oh my Jesus, it was quite bad, quite quite bad. Um, and that led into what felt like the proper opener, which was the Jurassic yeah. Express versus the Young Box. Which was good. It was great. Right. Yeah, the I Bucks, like the, the, the Young Bucks Healy direction they're going in. Yeah, it's 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 feeling pretty uh, pretty intriguing, and like they've got they've got some really good stuff coming down the pipeline. I think for them. But then later on, after the tag team title match, the Young Bucks were acting like the usual Young Bucks again, instead of the the gruff vets, which they seem to be playing here. So I don't know if there's a little bit of a lack of consistency there, but really enjoyed the match. Really enjoyed them working a meaner style because, as you might know, I think that Nick looks a bit mean anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, with his Dave Hill face <laughs> and hair. Um, no, I really like. I think it works especially well when you have someone in like Jungle Boy who's like the, a young hopeful kid. Um, that it works for the young books to be. The uh, the jealous old folks. Um, even Luchasaurus didn't look so languid here as he sometimes does. Um, it all kind of worked. I I, I did really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, I, I'm with you though on the like you mentioned about the the young box characters in general. Maybe we'll talk more about this when we get to the tag title match. The the elite melodrama has kind of outstayed its welcome with me, and I. I'm not really into any of them as as characters at the moment. Yeah, even Hangman, who I was very into, keep doing this sort of kids' TV like Hollyoaks acting. <laughs> I don't know why they why they need him to do that. They've done some really subtle stuff in the past, but uh, they've they've certainly kind of gone in a different direction with that. I think it doesn't help that the there was never really any reason given for any of the character motivations for like why the young books are suddenly a little, you know, angrier or whatever than than they used to be. Like you might say, okay, there's there's some subtlety to the storyline, but you also need in wrestling clear signposts for when things happen, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Otherwise, you get confused. Like, if, if you haven't watched Dynamite in two weeks and you suddenly tune in for this, you're like, why are the Young Bucks heels all of a sudden? I 
did, did I miss something? Did something happen? Not really. Um, that's just <laughs> how they are now. Um, so from there, we went to the, the Battle um, Royale. Battle Royale, which I like. The weird thing about this is that I thought this was mostly good and probably the best one they've done so far. But my conclusion then was that I just don't think this format of Battle Royale is very good, is my, my ultimate conclusion. I actually like the format. And, and uh, as you said, I thought it was a, a fairly good Battle Royale, especially compared to what we had on Dynamite. But it was just plagued with mistakes throughout. It's notably the uh, uh, Matt Seidel shooting star uh, attempt. Like, so oh. It's like one of those where it goes so wrong you think they must have done it on purpose. You're like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you completely fuck that up? That must be part of the storyline. Mm. Oh, that was so bad. Oh my god. There was one bit as well early on where Phoenix hit the blade with his move. Where like aren't they supposed to be on the same team as well? Mm. That was a bit weird. Um, they put Darby Allen in the body bag with all the tacks, and three quarters of the tacks fell out as they were putting them in. Um, what else happened? There was like one or two other little moments that didn't really go as smoothly as they there was, should There was Drake like, showing Eddie the snake in the showing bag. Showing the bag like... Two minutes too early. But so he was just like holding it up like it was his fucking Tesco bag for life with cans in it. <laughs> like he couldn't, it isn't like he got the snake out and was like, you know, threatening him with the snake. He was just holding this bag up like, oh, snake in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I felt, I felt terrible for, for Matt Seidel because the thing is, oh. like, um, like when he came out as the Joker uh, entrant, I was a bit disappointed because I was like, I was like, he hasn't. So like, I haven't seen him here and there, you know, this place, that place. Like he, he hasn't really done much post WWE. He's felt like he's really struggled to, to, to wow. And so I kind of felt like when he showed up here, I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to see this guy here. And then like, could you have had a more on the nose example of that than his first spot? You know what I mean? <laughs> it was very unfortunate. I, I actually thought it was a nice surprise. Um, I haven't seen any of Matt Seidel's stuff post of the so I was like, "Oh, this could be good." And I think he's he's kind of a good fit for AW almost. Mm. And then he, he immediately, immediately fell down, um, which was oh my god! Like I said, my toes were curled the whole way back, like the like the Wicked Witch of the West, brother. Um, uh, aside from that, I, I, I thought it was it was fun enough. Mm. Um, I liked uh, Archer winning as well. Yeah, although, um, again, the finish, faffing around with the fucking snake and just, oh, my God. Yeah, I know. And like, Jake Roberts, like I said, was there a good minute too early before Archer was even up to, like, slam him off. Uh, I liked as well Eddie Kingston getting, like, the biggest pop of the night coming out. Yeah. That was nice. He's great. Yeah, he's great. He is great. He, he adds a lot. Um, uh, yeah. Penta L0M was in the match as well. Uh, yes. That great name that we all like. That rolls off the tongue so easily. Uh, apparently, 
AEW still has a working relationship with AAA, but if, apparently it's it comes down to if they want to merchandise, if they want to put his name on merchandise and actually make money on it, it has to be the name he owns and not not AAA. So there you go. So he's he's Penta L zero M again. Uh, that led us into probably the most uh, <laughs> other than Matt Seidel not himself. Um, the most talked about thing on the show, which is the Matt Hardy, Sammy Guevara broken rules match, which they constantly kept saying, like they literally used the term, Hey, it's basically last man standing is what they were saying. Right. Mm-hmm. Which makes yeah, me think yeah, they, yeah. they're probably just not allowed to use that term, I guess. That might be a WWE own term. Yeah. So they, so it's, I don't know if I've seen a last man standing match in a main, like the WCW ever call it that. No, it would have been like no, a Texas like, death match or something. Yeah. Everyone else calls the Texas death match or like, or submission or knockout match where they have to stay down for a count and stuff. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so this one started with like, they started backstage. Sammy comes along in a, in a golf cart and then they like immediately at the beginning of the match, they do this spot where they go up, they climb up a scissor lift, they raise the scissor lift, and then Guevara spears Hardy off it through two tables below. This is backstage. This is actually in the football stadium part of, of, of the building. And uh, Matt Hardy overshot the, or I guess the, the, the pair of them really overshot the, the two tables, and Hardy clunked the back of his head off the concrete. This was, right, and funnily enough, Impact just uploaded this match to YouTube. A couple of days ago, this was the most scared I've been watching a bump since that ladder match where Kurt Angle fell out of the ring off a ladder and landed neck first on the apron, and I was convinced I'd seen him killed live on television. I uh, don't remember that spot, but um, I felt the same way. Also, was it in the Battle Royal? There was some some match on this show where someone took uh, a being thrown out of the ring and hit their back really hard on the apron. Do you guys uh, remember that? Why was it the Derby spot with the bag? No, no, no. It was they were just being thrown out to the side. It wasn't the ramp side. I think it was on the right hand side. I can't remember. They're just being thrown just being thrown over the rope normally, but they their back hit the apron very hard. That Derby spot was completely stupid, by the way. Yeah, he loves doing that bag shit, but it's so insanely dangerous. Um but I, I, I thought the same with Hardy here. I was like, fuck, that is incredibly dangerous. Um, yeah. And then he, he looked like he, to me, he looked like he had turned gray, like immediately. I was like, oh my fucking God. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so they, it was then weird for a few minutes because it was like he wasn't moving and he was turning a weird color. And then, like, they kind of started to count, and then Sammy. Was Aubrey, to- well, Aubrey was given the the X like right away. Yeah, so 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 it was like they they there was a period there where they weren't sure what they were doing, and so so officially the match was stopped, and that led to like a, like a minute or two of very weird kind of stalling where the commentators were like, um, well, even before that, they tried to like brawl, and Matt couldn't stand up. Yeah, yeah they like <laughs> Samson and the ref, and like they were just like holding Matt Hardy, but like not in a hey, we're doing a kayfabe pull apart brawl. They're like, no, you're not, you're not doing this brawl spot because he was doing the typical wrestler thing of I want to keep going and all this other stuff. So then there was an awkward minute where they cut back to the commentators, but they were they still had cameras on the other two. 
So it was this weird thing where they were kind of like walking around and the commentators were vamping, trying to cover for what was happening. And then they inexplicably just cut back to the two of them brawling and they they kept going and they they did their finish, which involved climbing on a scaffold. Oh, that was like so irresponsible to do that spot. Not just, so not just finishing the yeah. match, but then to go and do an even more dangerous spot was just ridiculous. They should have just stopped it. As soon as she yeah, put the There's no need for match time up. It should have been yeah, it should have been over. And it doesn't matter about the story, you know, oh he you know, because he would have had to leave or whatever. It's fake. Just come out next week and fucking make something up. It doesn't matter. You know, I mean it's easy. Or even even on the fly they could have um you know lay Matt Hardy down on the ground real carefully, have Sammy climb up mm. and someone else comes out and knocks him off. You know, to to build something yeah. else. Jeff Hardy. Any <laughs> fucking anyone. Whoever they who, literally whoever was right there backstage. Private party because they're aligned with Matt Hardy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, literally anybody. Um, um, yeah, it was, it was really, it was so like it was stupid as it happened. I feel like it sucked the wind out of like arguably the whole rest of the show because um, it was kind of all anyone could talk about. But um, but yeah, really irresponsible. That's an ongoing situation. That's kind of been the talk of today because um, uh, there's they are uh, AEW are claiming that they gave him uh, what sounds like an incredibly fast concussion test in between the match being stopped and when it restarted. Uh, Matt Hardy's wife has been going off on Twitter saying that that's not true and that they didn't test him and that she's furious and blah, blah, blah. Um, so we will see where things change. Tony Khan, just as we're doing the show, tweeted that, hey, Matt's great and he's going to be on Dynamite this week. Thank you, everyone, for his support. He doesn't have a concussion um, but I believe the last update from his wife was that he did, in fact, have a concussion. So, uh, this, <laughs> I tell you what, they're so lucky that he wasn't um, injured afterwards because they would be very, very liable for uh, for a lawsuit. Oh, if he like fell off that scaffold the second time? Oh, yeah, yeah. A- uh, anything that would have been that would have been outrageous. So yeah, that's going to be a developing story. I'm sure we'll have a follow up next week on that. But uh, lots of people casting their eye over AEW there, uh, and I think I think some difficult conversations should be had about that one. But uh, that then segued into the women's match: Thunder Rosa challenging Hikaru Shida. This is great. It's good. Good stuff. I really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, Thunder Rosa. Just has a an, an effortlessness to her, um, like I've, I've I don't remember who I was saying it even necessarily about recently, but that some people have that deer in the headlights. What am I doing? Look to them when they're doing their spots. Whereas she is just completely in the zone. Um, wrestling, very very good. This is my first time seeing her since she was Cobra Moon back in the day. On the lucha underground. Mm. Um, really enjoyable, yeah. Yeah, um, really enjoyed that, and and it was like a really great showcase for Thunder Rosa. I, I hope she's back. Uh, I, um, I think the NWA is coming back soon. I think they said November they're going to start taping again. Um, so, so we we'll see. I, she's not, you know, she is not a free agent. They have not. I think they've released a couple of people since COVID happened, but actually not that many. So uh, whether or not she's back, I guess, will depend on whether or not this relationship continues. I hope it does. I I I, I think that would be beneficial to both parties to uh, 
to to share. Well, she she her. might be one for the future anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was stiffer than I thought it was going to be as well. They really beat the shit out of each other. It was great. Um, yeah, so that was uh, really strong, and that led us to the tag team match uh, for the titles. Oh no, sorry, I I misspeaking. No, the eight man tag. This that in general, this show was too long, right? I could have done with this this show being significantly trimmed. Um, here is where I would have cut something, and by cut something, I mean the whole match. Yeah. Um, uh, Natural Nightmares, Matt Cardona and Scorpio Sky against the Dark Order. Um, yeah, like they so so they set up that Dustin is challenging for the TNT belt next week. Honestly, I would have rather he he pinned someone on Dynamite. Just do this match on Dynamite. Really, is what I would have wanted. Yeah, yeah. This is also where we had um, Jim Ross say, "Did she have a wardrobe malfunction or?" <laughs> Is that just my morning wood, quite frankly? Oh. What a fucking old pervert. <laughs> and then he did a tweet where he's like, Lan up, tongue emoji. I don't want to see Jim Ross's tongue hanging out. Thanks very much. Uh, oh, God. I think my other favorite part was when he said, Zack Ryder, he's, I feel like he's always had a piece missing. Maybe I'll find it one day. Oh, okay. Wait, uh, wait, <laughs> wait to bury them. Uh, and then the other best commentary moment of the night was in the Sheeta roast. No, was it which match? Uh, yeah, the Sheeta roast match, where they were saying, you know, Rose, if she wins, she could be a double champion. And Excalibur goes, oh, actually, she would be a triple champion. She won the New Japan Joshi uh, Princess of the World title uh, there last year. And Shivani goes, do you want to run that one by me again? And Excalibur earnestly did. Yeah, what a nerd! Excalibur doesn't get when he's being made fun of. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought Excalibur was like the—he's like the one-eyed man in the land. I didn't think Tony was especially good on this show, and Jr. was just fucking—he was having one of his nights. He was all fucking over the place, and he wasn't even—he wasn't even getting the usual Jr. high spots in. There was a point during the main event. Where like it was a great near fall where MJF got the armbar on and and Jr. It was like he was calling metal. He was like, oh, you know, Moxley going have to try and get the ropes here. You know, we don't MJF going to do damage to that arm. And some people might pick me up on the way out, say it, but that's what I'm seeing here, folks. Okay, I'm calling it like I see it. Might not be PC to say damage to the arm, but you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. So. um Anyway, the fucking uh, Dustin Ronalds pinned Colt Cabana in this eight-man tag. Yeah. Uh, that led us to the tag team title match with the uh, FTR defeating Hangman and Omega uh, to become the new tag team champions. I thought... There were a number of issues in this match, but to cut it some slack, I thought this was kind of where the overwhelming length of this show was really starting to hurt. I feel like the the live crowd who were good for parts of this show were really tired. Um, I thought some of the action was good, but I was pretty bored by most of this. 
I, I actually quite like liked it. I, I wouldn't say it was, you know, a great match. Um, obviously, nothing in comparison to the, you know, Revolution Tag match. Um, but I thought it was pretty good. I saw some, you know, a lot of very harsh reviews of it. I thought it was fine. It was, it was kind of FTR kind of grinding them down a lot, you know, just doing the whole kind of tag tag thing and doing lots of the tag finishes. Yeah, it wasn't great, but I, I thought it was fine. I'd get like, you know, three and a half stars kind of range to me. Yeah, I really liked it as well. Um, I started feeling the length of the show more so in the Jericho Cassidy match. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I did really like it. Um, as well, it was also, it was half an hour. I mean, that is too long. That is long. That is as long as the revolution match, but without all of the action. It's just, it, it's just really like even if this match was was excellent, like to do a half hour, like at the end of the day, you'll you'll never recreate the revolution match in the COVID era. You're just not with, with without a full, you know what I mean, without a full house. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, so post match, um, FTR celebrated. Uh, there was miscommunication at the finish where Hangman took the V trigger, and then after the fact, Kenny teased attacking Hangman, but he stopped himself. And then Hangman, kind of with his last dying breath, sort of collapsed, and Kenny sidestepped him. Uh, and then we had a vignette where Kenny stormed backstage, and as Paul mentioned earlier, the young books were back there just being normal, trying to p- play peacemaker. And Kenny got in a car and left. Um, so yeah, I so part of my problem with this match, right? When you watch the Revolution tag, the story was so simple. It's like the Young Bucks are like the best tag team like ever or whatever. Yeah. And Kenny's great, and and Hangman's great, but Hangman is like the redheaded stepchild who they don't take seriously. So yeah. it was a pretty simple like this guy is trying to break out and make himself and and prove that he's the man and story then is ultimately that he did prove he's the man and Kenny respects him and they foil the box, but they all begrudgingly kind of make their peace with it. The story the last couple of weeks on Dynamite and then with this match is that Kenny's losing his mind. He's getting fed up being Peacemaker. He's beating the shit out of people and he's possibly turning heel. The Young Bucks are fed up a hangman, so they're having meltdowns backstage and they are also possibly turning heel. And Paige is like naive and paranoid so he sort of out of nowhere cost the Young Bucks a match in a way that kind of, that I think either made him a heel or kind of really took the wind out of his sails as a babyface. Like that, that gauntlet match, him, him costing them that in hindsight is really weird considering the other three are basically heels now and he is supposed to be the hero. I, I feel like the, what hurt this match a lot was just that everything's a bit wishy-washy now. Yeah, agree. Agree with kind of Paul's point earlier as well. It's not been signposted that well. Like I'm not really sure when he was trying to persuade them to get in the car. What? What? Why? <laughs> what? What were they leaving behind? I'm not really sure. Like, mm. At one point, I thought he was trying. To, he was fed up with AEW, and it was like that kind of angle. Like they were like, let's go and I don't know, go back to New Japan or something. But I think it was. I don't. I don't get it really. I guess we'll find out more on Dynamite, but it's a bit, a bit confusing. Uh, we moved on then into the Mimosa Mayhem match. Um, I, I was, I, as I was watching this, I kind of, I wanted Jericho to just slip during his entrance and fall in and just get it over with. <laughs> um, yeah, 
this feud has like this definitely feels like a thing where they were like let's stretch this out as best we can because we don't want to move we don't want to burn through our jericho matches you know um in the no crowd era like i i'm i'm done with this feud and i i you know i i was kind of checked out for this basically yeah yeah, yeah. It, it was fine but it, yeah it was closer to the second match than the first match in terms of I didn't care about it and it wasn't that good. The best part was him just sitting in the in the box feels like it was a hot tub. Like that was the that was the entertaining visual but other than that yeah it was whatever. Like the Witcher 3 with his <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't care about anything. <laughs> JR going kind of looks like an omelet. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> Thanks for that insight. Fucking hell. Uh, yeah, so like, and, and I, I didn't come away from this thinking, oh, Cassidy's a megastar now. He, they've, they've done a great job. Um, I'm kind of. I think he needs to go back and put his hands in his pockets. I yeah, I was kind of like, I, I hope next week on Dynamite he's just hanging out with the best friends. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, we then had the main event, and I, I going into this, I'm I'm quite low on on MJF in general. So going into the MJF Moxley match, I was kind of thinking to myself, oh my god, oh how is this show which has been too long and hasn't been that good? How could they possibly um uh, save the show? I I thought they worked their holes off and had quite the fun match. I have to say, uh, to close the show. Yeah, I like. I like yes. that. I like that. I hated the finish, though. Why? Um, because the entire build was to create this problem that Moxley couldn't use the, the um, the move, and then he. It was kind of like, you know, okay, MJF is the heel, got outsmarted, which fair enough, I get, but Moxley couldn't. Beat him without using his little move. I was expecting to be like a, almost a dusty finish, and then there wasn't. And then it got me into the whole okay, the build was like this legal contract thing where the contract wasn't Moxley, the ref can see him do the move. It was he can't do the move. So why can't MJF not just have that reversed? You know, it, it goes back to as well the thing of sometimes a ref comes out and says, wait a minute, he did the move. And so I was like, half expecting it here and then it didn't happen and i just thought god damn wrestling is stupid yeah mm. I, like I, why I, do the stipulation at all what's that why do the stipulation at all if he's gonna win with the move ultimately anyway yeah. unless it's the lead you know uh, mm. I- I yeah I, I just I I'm with you in the sense of I didn't like the build at all, um so so yeah that I mean I didn't mind the finish but as an as an aspect of the overall story yeah I, I could have done without all of that I thought everything from basically the when the beginning of the match up to the finish I thought was really great and a hell of a blade job from MJF as well round, oh round yeah applause, applause that was a proper crimson mask God damn it. Yeah, the show was too long. Just make it three hours, Tony, for fuck's sake. We don't need four-hour pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. And that was um, 
that was all out. It was uh, the other thing about this. It was not newsworthy. I'll say that much. Other than bad news and stuff like Matt Hardy, I this was not an especially noteworthy show. I didn't think. No, uh, I mean, there's stuff they got in the pipeline. Like they haven't done Derby, Ricky Starks yet. That yeah, come. Um, so there's a few things kind of chicken along, but yeah, they didn't set up anything. This was very much a kind of draw, drawing the curtain on, I think, this first year, maybe. Um, yeah, and I think that uh, I think that'll do it for our, our show here. Um, yeah, they they announced some stuff for Dynamite. Nothing, nothing worth getting too excited for. Kip Sabian. Uh, will be announcing his best man um, for his wedding to Penelope Ford, which will also be on Dynamite. Is this, like, with the exception of Goldust and Aksana, is this the most low-down jabroni they've ever given a wedding to on TV? Um, It must be, yeah. It's worse than Goldberg. uh, Goldberg. Goldust. Goldberg and Aksana was a great wedding. (laughs) Um, yeah, so uh, that is a dub for now. Uh, we'll be, and I think that's going to be our show, I, I would imagine. I think it is. We're starting to say like Tony Giovanni and JR at, at the end of All Out here, so let's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, any other guff to talk about here? <laughs> um, anyway. We will be back next week with the uh, more of the usual fun and games. We will have our, our telly guffs. Maybe we'll have a switch update from Joe and we'll have more wrestling guff as well. We'll see what the follow-up is from All Out and presumably have some Matt Hardy updates there as well. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back then. Until then, it's goodbye from me, Barry Murphy. It's goodbye from Paul Griffin. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Mr. Joe Towner. Goodbye. Goodbye.